Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, a podcast where a special guest and I discuss and dissect clothes, and quite frankly, anything else that crosses our minds. If this is your first time with us, fantastic. But what the hell's been keeping you? There are so many more episodes to catch up on, with wonderful people like Dan Snow, Alexandra Shulman, and my cycling buddy, Jeremy Vine. But let's get back to today's guest. She's a presenter, speaker, writer, and karate black belt, Gail Porter. She's also the subject of the extraordinary BBC documentary, Being Gail Porter, an unflinching account of the challenges she's faced with her mental health. It's deservedly been nominated for a BAFTA, and I'm really hoping it wins on December the 8th, though she's already a winner in my mind anyway. So... Let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Hello, everybody. And today I am with someone who I have so much admiration for. Um, and that is Gail Porter, who, and I, Gail, I want to start with what's been happening to you now, and then we'll wind the movie backwards. But you have made the most incredible documentary called Being Gale, which has been nominated for a BAFTA. How incredible is that? Well, I got I got an email on, I think it was Wednesday morning this week, and it just came up with a head of fight BAFTA, and it said, you're nominated. And, you know, it's been a weird few months for everybody. So I was thinking, is this a joke? Um, yeah. And then I sort of I had a shower and I came back and had a look at it again. And I was like, that's the proper BAFTA folk. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I burst into tears, because that's what I do. I think I won like um, a Weetabix pen- pencil case from like a lucky dip in Asda when I was about 12. And now um, I've gone from that to a BAFTA. Yeah, and this is, this is serious, but I watched it, Gail, and I had, there were so many emotions that it brought out um, from heartbreak to fury and rage both towards you I have to say and to members of your family because I mean to you because I just I mean you've been through so much there is no getting away from that and but I felt that it's like I see you now and I see someone who is so incredibly beautiful you know you genuinely you really are but you are your own worst enemy. And I, I was kind of going, Gail, for God's sake, I wanted to come up and slap you and hug you and grab you and say, wake up, look how you know, incredible like you are. Slap me, hug me, do all that. I'd quite like yeah. that. Anything, any human contact. <laughs> but I mean, how was it to make it? Was it, was it very cathartic? Because basically you go very in-depth into you're on this journey of um, your own mental health, trying to discover... Um, 
what it is, you know, what it is, disorder, you don't like that word, that you have. And um, and then along the way, you, you go into your past and you meet people who were part of your life back in the day. Um, what was it like to do that? Well, to be honest with you, when the BBC first got in contact with me and said, we'd like to sort of look at your life, mm. <laughs> Initially, I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. I can't go through that again. I really can't. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had the best times. But then when I've had the, the worst times, they have been the worst times. Mm. So I was thinking, you know, I, I was getting myself back on an even keel. I've got a nice little flat, albeit I'm renting, but I don't care because I'm happy. It's my happy place. And then I was thinking, do I really want to go back and, and, and break through all these things? And also, do I want people to know about my family and how you know we weren't dysfunctional it was kind of we were very they were very stoic we weren't our mm. cuddly family so I think that's where my cuddles come from I want to cuddle everybody all the mm. time so this has been a shocking year for me because I can't touch anybody yeah um, but yeah my mum and dad were not very cuddly so I didn't know and also I've lost my mum and my dad was actually in the film as, as you've seen and I remember him just saying to me, he said, oh, you, you, um, you didn't let me down. You've let yourself down. And I was like, seriously? That's just, you know, he didn't know how to communicate properly and say that he was, he never would say I'm proud of you, but yet he mm. tells me at the pub that he was proud of me. So that was going to be a really difficult thing for me to deal with, knowing that I was not going to get like a hug from my dad or a hug, well, obviously not from my mum because my mum passed away. Mm. 60. So that was the thing to get my head around do I do this do I not and then I thought do you know what life is too short and mm. if, if this can help someone I think at the end of the film I think I've not seen it all properly the whole way through because I can't I don't like what mm. but um mm. and it was such a hard topic but I just thought if, if this helps someone because so many people go through so many different things mm. and they think, oh, I'm on my own I just thought mm. yeah what I'm going to do it it was really hard if you ever speak to the director um and Claire bless her I think I fell out with her every day <laughs> really because but it's a very it's a it's it's a it's a very important piece of work that you've done because it is so raw and you know one of the things one of the many things that are so charming about you is that you you have this vulnerability and you wear your heart on your sleeve and um, I mean, I might be, you know, I might be talking bollocks here. I don't know, but but at the same time, you try and compensate with that by with this toughness. But I feel that tough side of you isn't who you are at all. That's just your your kind of armor, if you like. Oh, hundred percent is my armor. Yeah. Off, and then I'll come home and I'll have a good cry and think. Oh, hopefully, I've just fooled everybody with my toughness, like my ninja esque. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I do think I'm tougher than I am. That's not a bad thing, though. I think we all need that, don't you? Especially as women, we need, we need to feel that we can protect ourselves somehow, especially emotionally. Yeah, but the thing is, I'm a, I, I cry at everything, literally everything. My daughter even sits with me and she's like, Mum, I can't even watch Gogglebox with you because you'll cry at something. <laughs> I, I I have to record Blue Planet with David Attenborough because I can't watch it with her. 
because she's like, I can't watch it with you. You're just going to cry. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're lucky. Are you, but that that's such good. I mean, I listen to you say that. I hear you say that. And I think, my God, I feel envy because I, I can't cry. I'm so shut down as a person. I literally, I cannot cry. I haven't cried properly for about 20 years, 30 years. I don't remember the last time I cried. I try all the time. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. It's just come and I just need to let it out. Even if I go up to the tube and a, a nice lady or a gentleman will come up to me and say, I saw your documentary and I need to tell you about my life. And they'll tell me something. I start bursting into tears. I'll say, mm. I am totally useless. And then I want mm. to come them, but of course you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah, that's so hard. For you, I can imagine that has been so hard. So um, with your BAFTA nomination, what's been the reaction from your friends? Well, because um, it came through, in the morning I just put it everywhere I was like I just like retweeted everything and I was like look I got this from, oh my god oh my god oh my god I just put it everywhere because I thought I've had such well we've all had such a shitty year and I just I couldn't help myself I was so beyond excited and I just thought oh my gosh I must tell everybody and then it was literally like the postman I went excuse me I've just been nominated for a BAFTA and he's like all right okay, I'll see, see you tomorrow it's like okay bye then bye <laughs> hello anyone speak to me i've got a bafta nomination and um i'm sure we won't win but obviously it's a team effort you know how these things work yeah effort, but yeah um well i think to be nominated quite frankly you've already won you know you you really have and it, and just to have got that you know to have got that piece of work out is you've won and other people who can identify with you have won as well because you've given so much of yourself and I think it's it's incredible. With Honey, your daughter, she's 17 now, isn't she? 18, no. You're 18. Oh my God, I can't believe you've got an 18-year-old daughter. But did, did she watch your documentary? She did. Um, I asked her not to. And, mm. um, but, you know, she's 18. She can do what she wants. Um, yeah. She, she watched it and... Um, she just came back. She was at her dad's, I think, and her um, or her, her boyfriend. I, I don't know. She watched it with somebody, but not with me. And then she mm. just came back, and gave me a huge hug, and she oh. just loved it so much. Yeah, it was quite hard. Um, but I mean, obviously, I'd I told her everything as she was growing up, but not you know everything, everything. But she knew stuff that I'd gone through. She knew about you know my not eating, my anxiety, my self harming, the fact that yeah, and she knew all of that. But obviously, yeah. when she, was young, she didn't really understand it, and now she's eighteen, and she's super clever and super wonderful. And she actually said to me the other day, she went, "Do you know what? We've never, you've never ever raised your voice at me." And I was like, "Well, there's no reason to. You're just, mm. she's just one of those. She's just perfect." I know yeah. Every mum says that, but nothing apart from the yeah. fact she doesn't like cleaning, and I'm a little bit OCD. Okay. Well, they're allowed to be at that age. She'll get there in the end. I mean, that's what I'm hoping with my kids too. They're pigs. Oh, do you? Um, they, my, I've got three. I've got a son who's 22, Joe, and well, nearly 22, and then Esme who's 19, and Cece who's 17. I mean, when when you think of Joe and well, and Esme who's 19, I mean, that's when your career skyrocketed, wasn't it? At that age. To be honest with you, when I look back at my career, I don't even know what happened. To be honest with you, it all just went a bit like bonkers really quickly, and I think that was a, a, another reason for me getting extremely anxious because I didn't really know what was going on. Mm. It was when you know I I was a runner on Taggart when I was younger, so I used to make tea and coffee, 
and that was quite fun and make sandwiches and give it to all the extras and not get paid and then suddenly I got asked to go for an audition and then I was got the audition it's the first ever audition I did in my entire life and I think because I'd worked so long behind the, the scenes yeah I wasn't phased by anything I rocked up yeah in, rocked up in a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt and everyone was all in neon because that's what children television presenters do. Neon, hi! I was like, "That, what is going on?" And I just did the did the audition, got the job, and then it all kind of just went a bit weird. So yeah, no, but it was. I, I think it's because you. And I think you're right. Having if you know if you've been around in that environment before actually being in front of the camera. It must have come been much easier, and that that again was you know part of your charm was having seen some of the old footage of you, was that you were you were just so natural, you were just yourself, and you were this ball of joy, and it was that's a kind of very rare thing to have as a television presenter, someone who is so accessible despite being utterly, you know, stunning and gorgeous, which you still are. That's a rare thing. You know, everyone felt they could be your best friend or were your best friend. I was the girl next door that yeah. landed a bit lucky. And I was, every, everything I did, I was so beyond excited. I was just thinking, is this for real? And I think that was part of my downfall because when I got on further into doing I mean the most amazing jobs in the world top of the pops big breakfast you know I, I just laughed non-stop and then you'd sort of get taken advantage of not by those sort of programs but sort yeah of the, the men mags that, and I thought oh you know I might do a couple of pictures and then I, I didn't have good guidance and but do you know what I look back on some of those pictures that I did and I think yeah I might have been a bit dumb and stupid and took all the compliments I was like oh that's amazing that's lovely when I thought I was ugly yeah. and, and useless and then suddenly want, someone wants to take a picture of you and then um yeah that's when it all kind of went a bit weird yeah but did you did you I mean when you're you're you know famously and I know you've talked about this endlessly but you're photograph was um superimposed on the houses of parliament what how did you see that image what what did that image represent for you was it you that you were looking at or did you look at it as though it was some stranger it it was it was a weird thing when I, I looked at it and I just thought because obviously in the 90s you're airbrushed like crazy mm. I hadn't seen the picture I know I'd done the shoot I know what happened um, they'd said it wasn't going to get used. We're not sure what they're going to do with it, and then um, didn't get paid. And then suddenly it's on the Houses of Parliament, and I thought that doesn't even look like me. Mm. And the thing I think I said to um, a couple of people, the ear brushed my nipple because I was. It's a picture for anyone that hasn't seen it. It's a picture of my backside on the Houses of Parliament. But the ear brushed my nipple because it was offensive, not the fact that I was hundred hundred foot high, totally naked. <laughs> Totally naked with my arse out for everybody to see. But no, not the nipple. That's offensive. No. Yeah. And that was when I suddenly thought they totally took advantage of me and they, yeah. didn't, and they didn't tell me and I wasn't strong enough. And I was kind yeah. of like smiling, going on different things. And yeah, I think I, I remember one of the worst things I did, which I, I I, did, I think I did cry. I went on Nevermind the Buzzcocks with Mark Lamar. Have you ever worked with mm. him? Yeah, I saw a clip like that. He's a 
I'm sorry, Mark Lamar, I'm going to say, is a vicious little see you next Tuesday. Yeah, well, he, he kind of like, I was doing quite well and it was fine. And then um, I can't remember, there was a, a little tit-tat thing. And then he said, look, if you're not going to show us your tits, what's the point in you being here? And I just thought I felt like this big and we we're recording it as live. I uh, was just thinking, why would you do that? But I do know because he'd asked me out and I said no. And then we went. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I you know, to do that in front of all these people, I was just thinking, oh my God, make this stop, make it stop. Yeah. But how much do you um, attach, how much do you attach where you are now in your head to to that image? Do you, do you feel that was the, the turning point when you started to decline mentally after that? No, definitely not. Do you know what? It, no. was, it was a good time. It was kind of funny. It was weird. Um, but I've been depressed since I was 16, 17. So I don't even know why. I was just, I couldn't sort of put my finger on anything. I'd either want to overeat, undereat. I, I just never thought I was good enough. And then um, I always attached myself to things. So I remember we did um, Greece as our school play for like our final year at school. Mm. And so I was Sandy and then my friend Rajan, he was Danny. And we all sort of intertwined our our um our stage life. So we're all kind of all going out with each other. <laughs> so it's all okay. Like, do you know when you watch yeah, movies? Yeah. Like Julia Roberts has went out with us, you know, obviously it's not like that. It's like Porterville High School. So um yeah, but it was kind of everyone was like going out with each other and it was great. And I remember when it finished that my heart just broke and I realised that there was something, I didn't want to let go of everybody mm. and I didn't want to move and I didn't want to do different things and I still feel the same every time I do a programme or, you know, I meet somebody new and then they're going to leave. I just always got into this massive depression going, please don't leave me. Please, I don't, yeah. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder where that fear of abandonment, it's fear of abandonment, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really... Even my daughter says to me, Mum, you are so needy. You are beyond yeah. needy. Because I was like, where are you going? Why? Can you not stay? She's like, Mum, yeah. I'm like, oh, please don't leave me. Yeah. But at least, you, you know, you know that about yourself. So yeah, you know you're not, yeah, you're not, you know it. And, you know, and also that's what mums do. And it's our prerogative to do that, I believe. But when you were growing, when you were younger, were you fashion conscious when you were growing up? Do you know what? When I Ever. thought you, I thought, you know what? You're going to destroy me because I was awful. So I used to go to under 18's Buster Browns. This was a nightclub in Edinburgh. And my mum or dad would used to drop me off. And I used to get shouted at by the other kids going, oh, you snobby git. And I could get dropped off. Everybody else got the bus. Okay. So, and then I turn up and I wore a puffball skirt, knee high socks. Okay. I know. That's a look. That's a look. So you were interested in clothes at that time because you put something together, whether you love it or loathe it, you put an outfit together. Well, the thing is, I worked in Warehouse. Do you know Warehouse? Mm -hmm, of course. Yeah. Warehouse on a Saturday and I worked in Russell and Bromley um, Sunday. But Warehouse... I really apologise to Warehouse right now, but we used to like take outfits on a Friday night and wear them out to Buster Browns, take them home, wash them, get them back in the shop by the next morning. That's so naughty, but so smart. <laughs> 
We did spill thing. We just wore them, got them cleaned, take them back, put them on. The only thing was you had to keep the tag on, so you had the tag scratching your back all night. Or you who is doing? Oh, doing the. It's it's. Oh my goodness! But you, you um. So did you? Have, who were your influences? Was it just your friends, your style influences, or was it people you know you watched in films or on television or in magazines? Who did your mum influence you at all? within your clothing not really uh mum was kind of um yeah mum just liked her kind of baggy things because she always thought she was overweight and she always said to me you have to wear black because I was too chubby or whatever and so she always said black was the best thing for me so I would always wear black that's tough as a child to hear that we think it doesn't mean anything but that's my head all the time. yeah I still wear black when I'm not feeling yeah. good I must wear black because I'm too big or something but um I don't know I think the, the, no I always just like the, the black outfits you know I was always yeah. thinking, I can't remember I was always a Star Wars fan I'd be quite happy to yeah. just dress up as a Jedi Knight and yeah. if I could away with it every single day I, I'm not I'm not fashiony I, I still <laughs> I'm in t-shirts and baggy jeans Levi's yeah originals I love my trainer. But is that but is that do you wear clothes that like that because again that's something I noticed was the way the way you dress which is you have a style which is is the it's kind of like I mean I when I I kind of look at you I feel you're you're disguising your femininity it's like you're hiding behind your clothes yeah I, I am actually oh that sounds really bad but even at my age I still get embarrassed about what I look like so no, but that's the, come on, that's not that. Don't be embarrassed about that. That's normal. I feel like that all the time. So, yeah, but dungarees, everything like that. I like that all kind of stuff. But then sometimes I, I buy a few dresses, like skin tight things, and then I put them on and I think, oh, it just I know this might sound stupid to you, but when you've got no hair, and I can wear a wig if I want to, but wigs make me feel uncomfortable because I don't like mm. being something that I'm not. I have got different wigs. I've got pink ones, I've got white ones, I've got. Yeah. But sometimes when I put on a really skin tight dress and I look at myself in the mirror, I just don't think I look feminine. Mm. But you see, I think you can because you've got such a beautiful face. I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, losing your hair must have been. I think that's one of the hardest thing a woman can go through. Physically, well, it is the hardest thing I think a woman can go through physically. In terms of you know having something dramatic change about one's appearance and and I you know I can't I have dream I have nightmares I don't know what it means about losing my hair I think it means you're sexually frustrated or something I don't know but you know <laughs> when clumps of hair fall out and and it's a it's a nightmare it, you know that's a nightmare that I wake up with heart palpitations so I mean how was that because it happened overnight didn't it um, yeah it was. Uh pretty much four weeks so yeah I had the long blonde hair went off I was working in Vegas looking for dead people as you do and um yeah we were in a graveyard and I was seeing a guy at the time and he was a cameraman so he was like Gail you know every time I went to shower in <sighs> the plug holes and I was thinking okay let's be calm about this and then it was going and going every single day, more and more, and it was just coming out. And then, so we're, when we were in the graveyard in Vegas, the lovely lady who was in the Winnie Bagel, 
he was doing her makeup and everything, she looked at me and she's like, I had a bit there, a bit there, and I said, just take it off, get get rid of it. Oh. Because I, I I don't know, I feel so awful. And so she just shaved it off and um, then it just never grew back. It just never came back. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just remember phoning my ex-husband and saying, you've got to tell Honey, my daughter, when I come home, mm. Mummy's got no hair. And she was, to- I cried the whole way home on the flight. Mm. And then when I got home, she was like, you look cool. And I was mm. like, thank God, fine, I- I'll take this. I will take it. Yeah. It'll grow back, um, you know. Um, but it didn't. It grew back once for about two months, but it was a bit patchy. But, you yeah. know, one but no I don't think I'd want it back I quite I feel like I've owned it now I just yeah you have and I feel like I've helped a lot of people and lots of people talk to me and after losing my mom to cancer and when she lost her hair I thought you know what I've got nothing to complain about I've just mm. got her. she died of cancer and she was you know in a it was awful so mm. I just I'm actually quite lucky and I've got mm. a good head and my daughter loves me so bring it on and if I can help other people then that's a good thing yeah and you've got amazing skin I mean you 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 have unbelievable skin and you haven't aged at all and you've got a beautifully shaped head and there is one other person who I think um looks as good with um no hair and that's skin from Skunk Nancy she's beautiful but so are you why don't you take a leaf out of her book her book I mean she was you know I, I can't I can't see you in a skimpy little dress because that's not you, but it's that kind of, you know, cool tailoring. You know what? I need to get myself a decent suit. So if you've got any... Yeah. I'd like a nice proper power suit because... Have you ever watched um, Billions? No, I haven't. I, have, I haven't. Is it good? There's a girl in Billions called... Um, her real name is Asia, but she's skinhead, no nonsense. I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah. So I need a power suit, so... You need a power suit. Well, look up, look up photographs of skin too, because she wears, yeah, look, look up. She's a, she's a good friend of mine and I love her to bits. And she is one of the coolest things I people I know. I've met her. I will. And, and, and she's cool because she has no hair and it's just the way she dresses and you can do that too. So please do yourself a fucking favor. Get out of those baggy clothes. Show off your beautiful figure. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And you you had a breast um, reduction, didn't you? But you still got, what size are your boobs now? Um, I don't know now because I just wear like those little Calvin Klein things, you know. The little- yeah. But you still got a handful. Yeah, a handful, yeah. But actually when okay. I went 
it's this it got even worse so when I decided to go and get them reduced because I was losing weight but I couldn't get them off my boobs and then I went I had some lumps and when I went with my daughter to to like get an examination and everything we were sitting in the waiting room and they said could you come back in again and do the scan again and I knew it and I was like oh please oh. another thing are you joking me and then honey was like are you okay and I was like yep went back in again came back out and they went could you come back in again one more time I was like oh god please and they went you've got a whole cluster of lumps they are benign but we're a bit worried about them and I was mm -hmm. like well if I get my boob job done can you get them out and they said yeah but you know it's going to take longer and did it and I said just get them out please don't I can't call yeah so um yeah they cut everything out and I got small boobs and uh, I think the day after I got my reduction the the um the surgeon had said to me you know stay in bed da -da -da, stay here he turns up and I'm like ripping off everything <laughs> proper Scottish like I'm going home I'm fine and they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> you need to yes I was like no totally fine and I came back home and <laughs> I'm so ill, and they kept warning me that you need to be in hospital. I went, oh, I'm taking the bandages off. Oh my <laughs> like, god, it's one of the best things I've ever done because I had so really. I was a, I was a 32 double D. Well, do you know what I am? What I am a 34 GH. Shut the front door. Yeah, look, look how look. <laughs> they are bigger than my head. But they're great. They're like all upright and, and smart. No, they're too. I hate. I hate them. I hate. I, I would love. To, I mean, I'm too old now. I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to give in to it. But um, I would have. I would have had one in the past because not everything. I find that, and I've had this conversation before. But you you can't look fashionable with big tits. It's impossible. Yeah, I, that's what I was finding. It's like my bottom half was fine, eight stone, and then suddenly you've got double D's that were hang. They were starting to hang, and I yeah. And then I thought, I'm going to go. Yeah. Love them off. When, yeah, when they were giving me the anesthetic. And I was like, do you think I'm going to die? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't because I was still here. Because suddenly I panicked. And I thought, is this, this is really like awful and it feels so vain. But I was in so much pain and I just wanted them to go away. So, yeah. And do you know what? The scar is nothing really. I've got tiny really? bits just there, uh, but nothing. Is it just really? a shame? I can't show anybody. I'd show you now, but you know, we'd be taken off air. Yeah, no, we'll, keep, we'll just wear them in a good bra. Look after them. You've, they've been through a lot, so don't wear a fucking Calvin Klein little t shirt bullshit. Get you. I'm going to send you a decent bra. So you're going to tell me what you are. I'm going to send you a decent bra. 32C now, I think. 32C. Okay, I'm going to find you a decent bra. Um, so when you were a children's presenter, um, were there any rules about what you had to wear? I guess it was sort of colour was the main thing, was it? Do you know what? In those days, um, we actually had stylists, so they would tell you what you could wear. So they'd come out and shop with you. You know, nowadays, okay. I don't know how it works nowadays in telly, but, you know, in those days it was like, right, you've got a budget, you've got a stylist, we want colourful, we want bright, we want kids to smile mm. and the and so we'd just go shopping. We'd maybe spend two days shopping and they'd buy a whole handful of outfits. Um, some of them they'd get for free, some of them they'd have to pay for, and then some they could take back. But it was always very bright. It wasn't the sort of stuff. Yeah. I, but I didn't mind because I was by that yeah. point. 
very small. So, um, is that when you had your um, was that a, when you had your eat your eating disorder start? Yeah, yeah. It was nothing to do with telly. I got it from just um, I just overate at school when I was unhappy. Then I stopped eating when I was unhappy, and then I overate again. And it's just one of those things that, unfortunately, that was the pattern that I went through. If I was happy. Mm. I don't know. It, it just depended on what mood I was in. So um, mm. before I got into telly, I just stopped eating. Yeah. And you were surviving. What were you surviving on? Jelly babies. Jelly babies and wine pretty much, yeah, wasn't it? Wine, yeah. So I'd make sure jelly babies in the morning to give me a bit of a sugar rush, which I should have maybe had fruit or something. Have the jelly babies, go to the gym, do a couple of hours in the gym, work all day, get home, bottle of wine, and then fall asleep and then get up and do it all again. It's like Groundhog Day. Mm. And then weigh myself every single day, like four or five times a day. Oh, God, Gail. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just terrible to be a, a a prisoner in that, where prisoner to one's body is. And I had so many wonderful awful. friends. We need to, we can help you. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong whatsoever. I'm completely normal. And, um, you know, I'd avoid dinner parties, I'd avoid nights out. There was always something that came up. I'd go, oh, yeah, I'm not too well. Or, you know, just so I didn't have to go out because I just didn't think I was good enough and I didn't think I was thin enough. Mm. Or, I don't know. It was just, it's it's still bonkers in my mm. head. Why did I do mm. that? Yeah. But, well, again, at least you know that now and you've got it under control. But um, yeah, when you were um, presenting Top of the Pops, which I, re- I remember it so well, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, what was the sort of highlight? Because you had that lovely producer from those days who was on your documentary. God, he's a nice man. He's the nicest man in the world. He's so lovely. And he so clearly adores you. It, he was just one of the highlights of, the, um, of your doc. I was so delighted when he came to visit my wee flat. and. Um, he was always he was always a great friend and he's just a, such a hard worker and working on that show was like a family mm. you know, the shows are like families but they like chris said in my documentary he did say that they were slightly worried but the thing is i could pull it off no problem mm. and mm. my daughter is five foot gosh eight maybe skinny mm. like but i watch her i keep an eye on her and she mm. can you know she's hollow <laughs> Whereas, yeah I'm so pleased and she's got no problem with food whatsoever because I was so worried that she might take what I used to do to myself. Mm. She, no, she's a strong, independent. If I want a pizza, I'm having a pizza. Mm. If I, if someone got a pizza in the same room as me, my head would be exploding thinking, oh, how do I get out of this? I don't know what to do. It's awful. But Chris was amazing. I think he knew and he, he didn't say too much, but he was always, he was always just like, your best friend that you knew if if I was really going down a bad route, he was going to be there. You know, catch you. You hug and you know that they're going. We don't want to say anything, but we know. I used yeah. to get hugs from him, and I was like, yeah. Oh. And then I feel guilty, and I think, oh god, I don't want. Yeah, that's another thing that I really noticed again from the documentary is this guilt you carry, you know, about yourself. It's like. You you apologize constantly for just for being you, and you are fucking amazing. 
well, I don't know about that, but um, my daughter always says, you know, I always say sorry for everything, even if, I don't know, people I don't know that they, are, they, they walk past me and I go, oh, sorry. I think, what am I saying sorry for? Why am I apologising mm. if someone like, walked in front of me? But um, I don't know where it comes from. Mm. I do. Have you ever had, ever have, have you ever had to say apologise for anything you've worn? <laughs> I probably would have to. Um yeah, I mean, gosh, when my hair was falling out, I think I attempted a Mohican or something, and I saw some pictures, and I was like, what was I thinking of? I was just thinking, do you know what, just do something with it. I think I wore a dress that had Elvis on it once for the big breakfast. <laughs> it was really cool, and everyone was like, what are you wearing? Like, even, my, even my wedding picture, I got a really, um, just a really simple dress from Selfridges, because I didn't want anything fancy. We were getting married in a registrar's office, and then... I remember um, it was in Heat magazine. So there was a picture of, I can't remember who else got married around the same time, who looked beautiful. And they were like, mm. oh, stunning. And then it turns it over and there's a picture of me in this little silver thing. And then it says, what was Gail thinking? Oh, no, on your wedding day. I, like, I can't even get that right on my wedding day. Come on. I just, you know, I was still sort of wanting something to cover me up. But it was just a little, it was like a little slip dress, like a Charlton sort of thing. It sounds gorgeous and perfect for you, this kind of petite, pretty blonde. It sounds absolutely ideal. I'm going to have to look it up. I got ripped for it. Um, oh, I, was still it. I just wanted something really simple, really floaty. And then I did actually rock it when it came to the party afterwards. Not that everyone can remember, but I got, um, oh gosh, what was his name? Um, that lovely designer that unfortunately killed himself, um, Alex. Alexander McQueen but I don't I don't know anything about fashion but I got like um it was like a, a you know what would you call uh, it strapless yeah it's a wee top and I had a big big like vein veil uh, thing Ooh. and then really like flary black trousers that went with it so it's like up to the midriff and then a bit of tummy showing and then these huge and I loved it so much I've still got it but I don't think I can that, put it into it that sounds you've got to give it to honey you've got to give it to hun bun Sure. I'm five foot one. She's five foot eight. Okay. Well, you have to get. Yeah, she can wear it with wear the top with different pair of trousers. But she's gonna have to get the trousers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you look back, is there anything? Do you have any regrets when you look back? No. Do you know what? I don't. I don't believe in regrets because I think. Yeah. Obviously, if I, if I knew more about money, I would probably. <laughs> I was sort of invested wisely, but I didn't. I was just one of those people that if you if you ask me for money, I go, okay, fine, I'd find it. I've only just met you. Yeah, have it. But actually, yeah. that was the sort of person I was. And if you needed yeah. help, you. And then a lot of people kind of like screwed me over that way and they would not pay it back. Yeah. Um, so I think if I was given financial advice, yeah, but I would not change a thing. I wouldn't change anything because I think, I think regrets are, it's a, it's a terrible word because it makes, you are who you are because of your life. You can, if you go to bed at night and think, oh God, I wish I'd done that. You're going to have a very stressful life. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And it's, it's all about living in the moment. And you know, what you're saying is the epitome of that is living for the second. And I think a lot of, you know, you've been through so much as so you really value that and you, you take that on board. Um, Listen, um, if if it wasn't a little bit mental and a little bit homeless, I wouldn't be up for a BAFTA. So. <laughs> well, that's true. That is very true. So there is a silver lining to everything, sleeping on a park bench. 
there is a silver lining. But my darling, when you when you had your um when your hair fell out with alopecia, how did that affect your wardrobe and how you dressed? Did you go straight from the kind of girl next door to big black baggy sweat sweaters and things to hide? Yeah, I I find it really difficult because I just didn't feel feminine and I didn't feel pretty. And like I say, when I tried to buy a dress, I just thought, oh my God, I I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. But I felt I need to keep going on. I need to be positive for other people. And But yeah, I, I literally was buying trainers, baggy jeans. I've got so many sweatshirts, you wouldn't even believe. I just turned into like a teenage boy. Yeah. Regressed into a teenage Yeah. I mean, you still dress like a teenage boy, though. I do still, yeah. And you do. You have these wonderful bits of statement jewellery. Um, but I think, it, but weirdly, it does kind of suit you. It's kind of, it's you. It's sort of become a part of you now. Yeah. Well, I'm going to attempt to wear a dress at the weekend, maybe, if my daughter comes over. So I've bought a few dresses, but I just, well, obviously, there's nowhere to go now. So Yeah. <laughs> I bought them all on lockdown thinking, oh, that looks nice. And then I thought, where am I going? Going nowhere, uh, apart from going to the gym. So if I could live in gym clothes and dungarees, I'd be very happy. But I'm going to make an effort because my eyelashes actually grew back over lockdown, which was... Did they? Did they really? That's amazing. I actually have eyelashes that are my own. But that maybe your hair will follow after your eyelashes. I really hope it doesn't because I kind of... I'm so used to it now. There's nothing at all. So a lot of people think I shave it. I was like, I have not. I think I shaved my hair right in the very beginning. So it's now been, Honey was one when my hair fell out. She's 18, so it's 17 years and nothing. I, I don't buy razors, nothing. And I quite yeah. enjoy it. So when I go to the gym, I always say to the ladies, I'm just popping the showers. Two minutes later, I'm out. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> they're shampooing, they're conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, like, check me out. See you later. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. You must, uh, probably more than anyone who I've interviewed, have the need for a comfort blanket. One item that you've, you know, has kept you, you feel has kept you safe and you turn to. It could be anything. It could be a teddy bear or anything. Do you have something like that? Is it that ring you're wearing? Oh, I don't leave the house without this. Okay. So that's always on. Obviously, my daughter is my everything. Yeah. But you can't, she's not a comfort blanket that you can pop in a suitcase, is she? My comfort blanket is movies. Okay. Movies or social media. Okay. You're becoming the teenager again. But you know what? I speak to lots of really nice people. and Yeah. Because I, I suffer from insomnia, so... Sometimes I watch movies and then I go into the, you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and someone will go, "Are you okay?" I don't get anything mean. I've never had it. I think I maybe had like maybe two mean messages about what I look like. I just block mm. them. I will say this to kids. I'm like, block, report, done. You know? Yeah. Don't pay any heed to people that are mean to you. You don't know them. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's like what other people think of you is none of none of our business. You know? Yeah. I feel- for young people that go into all these things and then they want to look like this or do that or take on abuse from people I said to my daughter block report simple mm. two of us are just mm. like easy don't care what yeah. you're doing 
But yeah, um, yeah. it's quite nice because I've got lots of people that watch movies in the night and they go, what do you think? What should we watch? And I was like, oh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know mm. them. They don't know. Well, they might know me, but it's quite nice to have that little bit of a comfort blanket at night time. But mm. yeah, Netflix movies, old movies. I've got all mm-hmm. my, I've, I've still got my DVD player. Oh my God, Gail. I still actually have a VHS player. You don't, do you? No. Oh, that's probably worth a fortune now. I know, and I've got a Betamax. Oh my goodness, you you are you you are you a bit of a hoarder? Would you just keep select things? Do you and do you keep clothes that have memories for you? Do you like your party dress from your wedding? I do have a lot of clothes, but then when I became bankrupt and um, I went bankrupt for spending too much money, basically I was homeless and I didn't fill out a tax return thing because I thought mm. I was a bit naive I thought if you're homeless why would you you know I've not earned any money for two years so they looked back the tax people looked back on what I earned when I was in my 20s and said well if you were earning that much when I was like well I was homeless so they sent me a huge tax bill which obviously I couldn't pay mm. I did get apology from them at one point but um, I had to put everything that I owned into storage everything and I couldn't afford to get it back out. So I watch Storage Hunters just in case. Okay. So is your stuff still in storage? Yeah, I don't know where you, it is. How could you not know where it is? My ex put it into storage when I got sectioned. So I don't know where it is. I've got no clue. And you could, he doesn't know? You don't want to ask him? Contact. You lost contact. So is he the father of Honey? No, no, no. No, he was just like a someone I went out with for a couple of years. And then he's... Oh, okay. No. so yeah. everything, everything into storage I paid for everything I got section came back out and it was all gone and he was gone and yeah oh my god I mean I you've just I I was a little bit excited myself at the beginning and I thought well, you know what? it's stuff it's stuff yeah I'm just gonna have to start again so yeah I lost everything really but it was yeah. quite good you know I'm still here and I started again and I still have I'm sure the wedding dress is somewhere. I need to find it, but um, yeah. I hope it's still here. But I do have lots of really shocking dresses that I used to wear thinking I was super cool. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet. I bet. But my darling, okay, so if you, let's say, you've got the BAFTAs are virtual um, this year, but if it wasn't, would you, I want to know, A how much of a panic you'd be about finding something to wear and how you were going to look and B, what you would choose what would be your your kind of party dress for the BAFTAs, is it something you've got or would you go and get something well this is what I was going to ask you, since I've come to have a wee chat with you, I thought you could do like, give me some advice because it's still going to be shown so we're going to try and get like, my laptop up and a few people obviously distance and we're all going to get dressed up so what do I wear okay well I I need to know what body shape you are do you know what body shape you are um have you ever seen the crankies I'm joking no Um, no be so be so horrible about yourself are you still have you are you still quite curvy or have you got the menopause the kind of midlife little bit of a waist loss you could you could squeeze my tummy yeah, it's got a wee tummy, but I'm like... Oh, that's all right. But do you have a waist, or are you a bit of a brick like Kate Moss? 
is Kate Moss a brick? What is a brick? Yeah, she's someone who's kind of straight, got no ways to straight up and down, kind of quite square in their torso. Maybe. You know what? Why I think this is a conversation we need to have after this. <laughs> I think that... In tone, I can because I would need to. I'll definitely help you. I think for it's all. I think you've got to look fucking great, Gail. You got to. I think you need to just shock everyone. I really do. I think you need to invest in get a makeup artist. Obviously, not a hairdresser. Um, you need a makeup artist, and you need to really blow it out of the water. I that's what, what you're, you're going to do, and let's have another let's have another conversation about this. And I want you're going to strip off into your bra knickers, and I'm going to see what shape you are, and then we'll talk and we'll we'll work out what you're going to wear. But I think it is that kind of androgynous, uh, that un- a sexy androgynous look is good for you. Not a dress or anything. It's it's kind of I don't know yet, but something cool. And you can be androgynous and still have like feathers or it's like someone like Brandon Flowers you know from the Killers oh my god his kind of look his look 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 would be a great look for you and also there's I interviewed a girl called Jess Gillum who is an incredible saxophonist she's a child still but she's got the talent of a you know someone who's 100 years old and she wears these amazing suits kind of um brocaded suits and looks very cool so but let's have another conversation so um my final question to you, Gail Porter, is um, what is your wardrobe malfunction? What's the worst wardrobe malfunction you've had when your clothes have let you down? Or maybe in your case, no clothes have let you down. Yeah, probably my major uh, malfunction would be the fact that I just went naked quite a lot in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah my daughter was like do you know what it was just a bit too hot and it was quite easy because the thing is I was a weird shape so I had massive boobs and then I was tiny so I think at that point when I was doing all these photo shoots I was seven stone with these huge boobs so they used to come in all the stylists and go we can't get anything to fit you or just go naked and I was like all right okay Uh." so um, I think they all sort of had an agenda and I just went with it because nothing fitted me I couldn't get anything to fit me I just had such a weird shape um but I, I think pretty much everything I wear is a bit of a malfunction because I'm not I'm not good with fashion I'm not good with makeup yeah but it's not so much about what you wear it's just like so for example my what the worst wardrobe malfunction I had was I was sitting next door to I was at this very kind of fancy dinner at Windsor Castle and I was in between Prince Philip and Prince Andrew, Edward, one of them. Um, I got, I had this uh, beautiful dress and had these sort of spaghetti straps. And I was just seeing that. And then the straps broke and the front flipped down. I had no bra on and my, flash my tits to everybody. So that was a wardrobe malfunction where the dress let me down. So it's not about... I've looked shit hundreds of times and worn terrible things. So something that's... I don't think anything's let me down. Um, I think the yeah. worst I've ever done is I went to a party and I took my, I wore high heels and I had to get taken in by my lovely gay friend and he was holding me. I was like, I can't walk like this. It looks like I've wet myself. And I said, do you know what, I'm just going to take them off for a minute. And I took them off. And then by the time I came back, they were gone. <laughs> don't know where they've gone. Oh, no. And then I had to leave. <gasps> this club and then there was lots of paparazzis and everything and they were like I'm walking and my feet were 
filthy because it was like everybody been dancing and I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'll find the shoes eventually. And I had these black feet coming out. Oh my God. And I never found the shoes. I don't know who took them, but someone took the pair of shoes from me. Pair of Jimmy shoes. Okay. Oh, oh no, even worse. So well, if anyone's got that my is... shoes, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I like them back, please. Those Jimmy Choo's. So, girls, there any one when you were doing Top of the Pops whose style blew you away? I think one of the most stylish people who I saw on that documentary is Charlene Spiteri from Texas. Do you know what? I When I met Charlene at um, Top of the Pops, because we were both Scottish, it was an instant, we got on fine. And I just thought everything about her, her hair, you know, she used to be a hairdresser in Glasgow. And it, but everything about her was so amazingly stylish. Paul Weller, every time. Every time. Every time, yeah. I mean, you can't fault Paul Weller at all. Um, Damon from Plur, I had a massive crush. And, I mean, he could literally wear, well, I would like him just to wear a pair of pants, but that's not going to happen. But yeah. Every time he came in, he just had that sort of um, Britpop cool. Uh, but we did have prints in once. And, I mean, <sighs> when it comes to style, um, he was just out of this league. He was just absolutely fantastic. And he was so small and perfect and everything he wore. And I always was just like, wow, how do you dance in those heels so fantastically? But um, I was a big Prince fan. But, yeah, there was yeah. lots of Styles. And even people like um, Justine from Elastica, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of like laid back style. Betty Boo when she came on. Oh, yes. Remember Betty Boo? Of course, yeah. And Susie Sue was great from Susie and the Banshees. She was fabulous. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, no, never got around that one. She had great. Oh, she did. She looked absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah, nuts. Nice. Madonna's just up there. Just Yeah. I think yeah. she came to Top of the Pops once, but she was. I actually had to introduce her. And when my daughter saw it, she was like, oh my God, you saw Madonna? I was like, no, it was a pre record. I never met her. But kids are like, oh my God, she was there. All right, darling. Well, listen, you're, you've been so fantastic, girl, and open and warm and everything that you should be so proud of. You're an extraordinary person and it's been a real privilege to talk to you, so thank you. I know, but thank you. It's true. And we're going to speak again to get you sorted out for the BAFTAs, okay? I know. How exciting. Gail, thank you so much for your time and really good luck for the BAFTAs next week. I'm absolutely praying on my knees that you win. If you haven't seen Being Gail Porter, you can find it on BBC iPlayer now. Right, we're nearly off, but I must mention our pyjama party. Find it on our website at mywardmail.com and email any stories or suggestions about the show to help at mywardmail.com. You can also find and follow us on the usual socials at mywardmail. And please rate and review us, and one day I just might stop asking. Finally, thanks to our mesmeric band duo, Find and buy their new album at duoguitarmusic.com or on their socials at Duo Guitar Music. Thanks again to Gail and of course, thanks to you for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 